You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation chapter 18 in your Bibles, please, for our Bible study. And uh, we saw in Revelation 17, we saw the fall of Babylon. But in Revelation 18, we're also going to see the fall of Babylon. You say, well, is it the same? No, it's not. In chapter 17, we saw the fall of religious Babylon. Remember, the religions of the world come together, and the Bible describes it as the great harlot, uh, the, the mother of harlots, and all of these religions are gathered together during the time of the tribulation. Now, you say, is there going to be religion during the tribulation? Absolutely. How many of you know that just because something is called religion, that doesn't necessarily mean it's right? There's a lot of false religions out there. There's a lot of cults out there today. There are religions that try to operate apart from the authority of the Word of God and apart from the authority of Jesus Christ. And friend, that is a false religion. And so during the tribulation, the religions of the world will unite. And we saw uh, in Revelation 17 that they will be destroyed. The religious system will be destroyed. But it was interesting, the religious system is going to be destroyed by the Antichrist. You say, wait a minute, I thought they were working together. They were, and they will be in the tribulation. But when the Antichrist, who is empowered by Satan, when he is done with the religious system of this world, he is going to uh, chew it up and spit it out. And is that shocking to you? Because that's exactly the way Satan operates today. Satan doesn't care about you. Satan doesn't care about me. Satan doesn't care about people. Satan is only interested in destroying. Satan is the father of lies. He is the father of death. He is the father of destruction. And that's what he's all about. So we saw the fall of the religious Babylon in Revelation 17. But we get to Revelation 18, and we see the um, political, or you could even say probably more uh, appropriate, you could say the um, economic Babylon the economy of the world, the commerce of the world. This chapter talks a lot about the merchants and their merchandise. Well, this should not be hard to imagine because in 2023, I think almost without exception, the God of this world has become the almighty dollar. People, and by the way, you follow sin and you follow all these different, uh, the, the, these things that people get involved with and you can almost always follow it back to money. What is going to make money? And during the tribulation period, there will be the rise of the economic system, the political system that the Antichrist will also control. I want you to notice in Revelation 18, verse number one. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, 
and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. That word delicacies is the word luxuries. Even during the tribulation period, now think about this. Even during the tribulation period, with all the plagues and all of the judgment of God that is poured out, people are still going to be so enamored with stuff. And people are still going to cling to their riches and cling to their possessions and cling to the things of this world. That, by the way, someday is all going to burn up. And we'll see that in this chapter. But we see in verse number four, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, double unto her double, according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Father, I pray you'd speak to us and help us in these few moments. I pray that your word would once again come alive. I pray that our, our minds would be open. I pray that our, our ears would be open. I pray that our hearts would be receptive, that we might receive the word of God and be helped uh, and challenged because of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I want you to see in Revelation 18, I want you to see the Bible says that there was another angel, not the same one from chapter 17, but there was another angel that came down from heaven. And it says in verse number one, this angel had great what? Uh, Revelation 18, in verse number one, it says this angel came down from heaven having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. Now, where did this angel, this is not a trick question, where did this angel get power? Got it from God. Where did this angel get his authority? Got it from God. Where did this angel get that light that the Bible says it lit up the entire earth? He got it from God. I want you to see number one. I want you to see the force. We see in verse number one, the power of heaven is demonstrated. And I want to remind you, the power that God has in Revelation 18 is the same power God has today. And the same authority that God has in Revelation 18 is the same authority he has today. We see that God has great power. He has angels at his disposal. They are his messengers. The Bible tells us that when this angel came, this angel had great Power. Did you know that you and I today, we also are to be messengers. We also are supposed to be witnesses. And did you know that when we speak for ourselves, we might be timid. When we speak for ourselves, we might be a little unsure. But when we speak for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we have power and we have authority because our message is not from ourselves, but our message is from the throne of God in heaven. 
I see this angel had great power. And by the way, we also have that kind of power. Verse number two, he cried mightily with a strong voice. Why would the angel cry mightily? Why would he use a strong voice? Because he had something to say. And friend, I want to tell you today, we've got something to say. We've got a message. We've got the message of the gospel. We've got the message of the cross. We've got the message of salvation. And why would we cower? And why would we back down? And why would we be ashamed when we have a message from Almighty God? Isaiah, the Bible tells us that we are to cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, the Bible says. Preachers ought to preach with authority. Christians ought to witness with power. God's people ought not to be timid. But the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. And friend, when you leave out of here tonight and you go home and you get up tomorrow morning and you go to your place of work, I understand you may be in the minority at the workplace because you love the Lord, but friend, when you've got God on your side, you are never in the minority. You are in the majority because if God be with us, who can be against us? Ephesians 6, 19, Paul said that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Philippians 1, 20, Paul said that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness Christ shall be magnified in my body. We see this angel had power. The angel had force. The angel had authority. But I want you to also notice that when the angel came, the earth was lit up from the presence of this angel. Now, it's interesting because we know that when people get around God, they just can't help but glow. When people get around God, they just can't help but have something special about them because they've been in the presence of the Lord. I think that's why Matthew 5 says that we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and do what? Glorify our Father which is in heaven. We should be a light in this dark world. We should brighten the corner where God has put us. We are living in a world that is dark with sin. And God is looking for some Christians that will let their light shine. We have the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can give to a world that is lost. I see, number one, I see the force, the power of this angel. But secondly, I see in this passage, I see the fall of Babylon. The angel declares the message that Babylon is fallen. That message is repeated several times in this chapter. This great city, this mighty city is brought to nothing because of the judgment of God. Notice verse 2. He cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. That's an interesting description of Babylon. Now, I personally, I, I'm, I'm okay with birds. When I was growing up, we had a pet bird, and it was pretty nice. Now, if it didn't like you, it'd bite you, but it was pretty nice. It was in a cage, you know, it wasn't too hard to take care of. But what does this mean, a, a cage of, of, of every unclean and hateful bird? One Bible scholar said this, vultures are undoubtedly at the top of the list when it comes to unclean birds. At the end times here, Babylon 
is a focal point of demonic spirits. Notice what it says in verse uh, number uh, two. That Babylon has become the habitation of devils. We're talking about demons and the hold of every foul spirit. And so demonic spirits here are likened to unclean birds. And isn't it interesting? Both unclean birds and demons like to prey on the sick and the injured. And they gather wherever there is death. And can I tell you, Satan is on the loose today. And Satan is having a field day with Christians that are sick. I'm not talking about physically sick, although that may be part of it. But I'm talking about Christians that are spiritually weak. That old devil is having a, a field day. That old devil is uh, launching every fiery dart to try to get those that are sick and those that are weak. And that's why the Bible says we better put on the armor of God. And we better put up that shield of faith so we can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. And so we're in a spiritual battle. And Babylon here, during the time of the tribulation, is the hub for the demonic spirits that are at work. Verse number three. It says, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Verse number three, fornication. We've talked about this, and I think we understand that we're living in a society where immorality is at an all-time high. You almost can't turn on the television without seeing something wicked. You almost can't uh, look at a magazine or, or, or an ad or something. I mean, it is everywhere you turn. And so certainly that is prevalent during the tribulation. But this term fornication also refers to idolatry. It refers to uh, anything that is put in the place of God. And we know during the tribulation period that this world is going to reject God for the most part. There'll be some saved. But for the most part, this world is going to worship the Antichrist. They're going to take the mark of the beast. They're going to be given over to idolatry. But it's interesting because in Revelation 18, the religious system has already been wiped out. The Antichrist has already destroyed it. You say, well, what are they going to worship if there's no religious system? The same thing they're worshiping today. Money. Stuff. Things. And it's interesting, the Bible says that these people become drunk with the wine of their fornication. They become drunk with the desire for more and more and more stuff. Just like someone maybe would begin drinking alcohol, and I believe you ought to abstain from it. I believe the Bible is clear that wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. But a person does not become drunk until they start with the first drink. And that first drink leads to another, and another, and another. And the next thing you know, they can't get enough of it, and that alcohol now has control of that person. Well, hang on, friend. Did you know that possessions can do that to you? Did you know that stuff and materialism, I know, I know this is Revelation 18, but I'm, I'm bringing it down to 2023 right now. Because did you know we live in a world where people are trying to find satisfaction and they think that if I just get more stuff, if I just get a bigger and nicer and fancier and better stuff, that I'm going to be happy. And you know what people find out when it's too late? Stuff doesn't bring happiness. Stuff doesn't bring satisfaction. 
The Bible tells us that men in this world, in this society, have become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And people have become so much in love with money, and the love of money is the root of all evil. And so we see in Revelation 18, the fornication and the drunkenness. Yes, it refers, I believe, to immorality. Yes, I believe it refers to alcohol. But I think even more so, I think there's a reference here to people looking for things and possessions and materialism to satisfy. I'll show you if we get there tonight. I'll show you in verses 12, 13, and 14, where we find a list of stuff that even during this tribulation period, people are stockpiling and people are accumulating because they can never get enough stuff. But we see not only, number one, the force of the angel, the authority of the angel. Number two, we see the fall of Babylon. You say, well, what's the cause for this fall? The same thing that causes us to fall. Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. We see that the nations of the world have become so enamored with stuff and with things and with possessions. They've become drunk with riches and pleasure. We see, number one, the force. Number two, the fall. But number three, we see their focus. Their focus is all about things. Notice with me, if you would, in um, verse number 11, it says, And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. Verse 12, the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and thion wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and brass and iron and marble. And it goes on and on and on with stuff. Their focus was on the things of this world. But then I see quickly, number four, I see the forewarning. It says in verse number four, I heard another voice from heaven. So this is not the same angel from verse one. But John said, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. You know what the warning is in verse number four? The warning is to God's people. You better watch out or you're going to get drawn into that same stuff. You know, isn't it amazing that, that we preach and we teach and we instruct our children and we sing songs that this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. We're just pilgrims down here. We're just strangers. We're just seeking a country, a city whose builder maker is God. And yet we act like the only thing that really matters is what we get down here. You say, how do you know that? Well, look at our schedules. Look at our finances. Look at our priorities. Look at where our focus is. And so many times, all of our attention is on that which is temporal. And so little of our attention is on that which is eternal. And the warning here that God gives to his people is to come out, to be separate, be different from the way of the world, and be not partakers of her sins. I think one of the saddest examples of this is found in the book of Genesis when there was a man by the name of Lot. And you remember how Lot separated from Abraham. And the Bible says that he separated from Abraham because he saw the well-watered plains of Sodom. And he thought, that's going to make me some money. That's going to be good for my cattle. That's going to be good for my business. That's going to be good for my pocketbook. And he failed to consider how that decision 
would affect his family. Fast forward, Lot gets into Sodom and he becomes a, a political leader. They've elected him to, to sit in the gate and to help to govern the city. And the angels come to try to get him out and tell him to say, you better get out of here. God's destroying the city. And Lot had the sense to know it was time to go. But not his sons-in-law. He seemed to them as one that mocked, the Bible said. They didn't take him seriously. They said, what in the world are you talking about? We've been here having the time of our lives with all this wickedness and all this pleasure for all this time, and now you want to tell us that we shouldn't do this? The Bible says that Lot and his two unmarried daughters, they fled the city as, long, as well as Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife? She turned back at the city and God had said, don't turn back, don't, don't look back on that city. You say, well, what was her problem? Well, she had at least two daughters that were still in that city. She had her two sons-in-laws. She may have had some grandbabies back in that city. And you say, well, well, what should she have done? I'll say this, what should Lot have done? He should not have gone to Sodom in the first place. He should not have gotten his focus on that which was material and temporal in the very first place. But there's a forewarning for God's people. My people, God says, come out of her. Verse number five, it says, for her sins, the sins of Babylon have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. I want you to think about verse 5, and I want to ask you a couple questions about verse number 5. The Bible says that their sins reached to heaven. I, I imagine it like they, they just kind of got stacked up, and I'm not saying they did visibly, but it's almost as if the sins just kept stacking up and stacking up and stacking up, and God says, these sins have reached all the way up here to heaven. This is a problem. But I thought... I thought I remember reading a verse. You help me with this one. Isn't there a verse that says that our sins are buried in the depths of the sea? Does anybody remember a verse like that? Yeah, it's in the Bible. How about a verse like this? As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So what's the difference here? Now the sins are piling up and the sins are stacking up and God sees them and God's going to deal with them. But in the other passages, God says they're gone. They're forgotten. You couldn't find them if you wanted to find them. And the difference is this, confession. When we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those sins don't keep stacking up. Those sins are gone. Those sins are erased. Those sins are removed. Those sins are forgiven. But here we see sins that are not confessed. We see sins that are built up and built up and built up in pride and people that think they're going to live however they want. And friend, I understand this is talking about Babylon in the tribulation period, but I want to say for God's people... Don't let your sins stack up. Don't let your sins go unconfessed. Don't let your sins separate between you and your God, but, but confess those sins, forsake those sins. Let those sins be forgiven. and Let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from those sins. Verse 6, the reward. This is not the kind of reward you want. It says, reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her, double according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled, filled to the double. 
Now, this idea of a punishment being double is not a new concept in Revelation 18. If you go back to the book of Exodus, did you know that when a person, according to the book of Exodus, the Old Testament law, when a person stole something and they were caught, they had to restore how much? Double. Now, now think about, think about if we did something like that today. I think there'd be a lot less stealing. You see, this is what we do a lot of times. And I'm not saying in every case, but a lot of times just don't do that again. No, no, no. Naughty, naughty, naughty. But you know what God said in Exodus? He said, you steal, you're going to pay back double. In Revelation 18, God says, Babylon, you're going to be judged for your sins. And the payment, the price is double. We see in verse number seven, how much she hath glorified herself. If that's not pride, I don't know what is. When people live to glorify themselves and people live so that somebody will look at me and somebody will see me and somebody will, 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 will praise me. Friend, there's so many times where I come to church and I'm the pastor and I know I have to stand up and preach, but... I pray nobody sees me because I got problems. And don't look at me like you don't. We all have problems. And you know what we need? We need to get out of the way and we need to point people to Jesus Christ. We need to glory in him. And all the glory belongs to him and none of the glory belongs to us. As a matter of fact, all the blame belongs to us, but all the praise belongs to him. But Babylon is destroyed. Uh, the, the, the fall comes from the pride. She hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. There to get is again that word luxuriously. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 4 that in the last days men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Verse number 8. It says, therefore shall her plagues come in one day death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judgeth her. It's interesting to me that this city of Babylon, and, and, and some, some believe that this is just the religious system in chapter 17 and the economic system in chapter 18. Some believe it's an actual city because the Bible says they will stand and they will watch her burn. Maybe Babylon will be rebuilt. Maybe this is a reference to Rome. Of course, uh, during the tribulation period, the revived or revised Roman Empire will come to power. And we don't know what city exactly this is, but the Bible tells us that there was a Babylon in the book of Daniel. And that Babylon in the book of Daniel, the Bible says they had a king by the name of Belshazzar. And in Daniel chapter 5, that man was so full of pride and he didn't learn from his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, that Daniel told him the judgment of God was coming and he said, as a matter of fact, it's coming this very night. And in one day, that fortress city of Babylon, the, 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 the most powerful city, the most powerful empire in the world in one day was destroyed by the Medes and Persians because of the judgment of God. And in Revelation 18, God declares judgment upon this city of Babylon, Revelation 18, 
And the Bible says that judgment will come in one day. Think about how many years. Think about how many millions and billions and billions of dollars it takes to build a city. And all God has to do is snap his fingers or speak a word and judgment comes. Friend, I want to tell you, that's the power that we have available to us through the word of God. That's the power we have available to us through prayer. And so as we read Revelation 18, I don't think we ought to be uh, getting nervous. I don't think we ought to be shaking and trembling. I think we ought to be rejoicing because the God of Revelation 18 is the God of 2023. He is still powerful and he has not lost his power. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.